Hey guys, this is Person About Town, now presented by Women in Comedy Festival. Uh, today we're in a new city, uh, so to tell you all about it, who our guest is and where we are, uh, welcome. Hey, my name is Dustin, hey. say Dustin David. Uh, we're in the West Hollywood Park, walking around the park. Nice. All right, so tell the listeners a little bit about why this is your favorite spot in L.A. Uh, I like the West Hollywood Park a lot because started hanging out here like three years ago, started meditating uh, a lot, mm-hmm. which is a good place to meditate. Um, not necessarily because it was the quietest place. Right. Like, it is kind of a quiet place, but it helped with the meditation a lot because you just kind of are in acceptance of the sounds around you. Yeah. And so I found that if the area was really loud where I was, it's never the area. Right. It's my head. Yeah. So the more that I would meditate, the more the sounds would kind of dissipate. I realized it was actually like my thoughts, like slowing down, focusing all the sounds and the distractions. Right. I'm like, no, it's just you trying to escape your own mind. Yeah. So the more that I would just sit with it, the more it would... Kind of quiet down, so it definitely helped me while my meditation. I started getting into that. Okay. So when did you get into meditation? Uh, yeah, was it three? Uh, actually, maybe almost four years ago. Uh, I was just kind of looking for something different. Uh, I just stopped drinking, so there was a lot of stuff that I had to replace because right. I did a lot of drinking. <laughs> okay. So I was like, well, I got to find other stuff to do. And that was definitely one of the things that helped me kind of calm down if I got wound up. Mm-hmm. They drank a lot is kind of a form of way to avoid feelings. Yeah. Just running away from that. Right. So I didn't have that. So I didn't really have any tools. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of the tools I used a lot. Read a lot of books about Buddhism and meditation. And yeah, I started with the chanting meditation for a while. And I did that for about a year. And I got into transcendental meditation. What's the difference? I don't know. I know nothing about meditation. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the chanting meditation that I did was called Nishiren Buddhism, mm-hmm. where you chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Okay. Like over and over again. What does that mean? Uh, fuck, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> God, I hope nobody that is Nishiren Buddhism is listening. They're like, he's wrong. Uh, it's basically uh, the chant centers you, you. Uh, I think it's like Nam is the saying of the chant. Okay. Myoho. I don't remember it specifically. <laughs> Basically, it yeah. breaks down to uh, the lotus flower mm-hmm. is as it dies, it also like leaves the seed. Right. So it is like the causality of life happening at the same time. Right. So when you chant, it kind of centers you. So by chanting, you're sending like this positive thing out into the universe. Uh-huh. So an equal positive thing will come back to you. Oh, nice. So it kind of like elevates your life state. Good. I, then I'm sure it's nothing close to that. <laughs> That's kind of like how I remember it, though. Right. Um, but yeah, I got really involved with that. There's a group of people that I would chant with because initially it was kind of tough for me to do it alone. Uh-huh. So I just felt crazy it's like you're just saying a thing over and over again at a wall like this is insane to me but doing it in a group of people i was like oh yeah we're all doing this it's it's kind of a good thing and uh when i started doing it for a while it kind of cleared my head out and it was the kind of meditation that i needed when i started because if i just sat and closed my eyes it would just sound like yelling like it was just so loud so to have something where my eyes were open and it was an active thing that i could do and chant it really helped me a lot when I was new. How did you find the people that you would meditate with? You know, it was the craziest thing. Uh, I had a resentment towards this guy I worked on a movie with. I was like, man, that guy's a dick. And I was talking to somebody, and he's like, well, where does that come from? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Why do you have... And I was like, oh, he does all this shit. He's an asshole. Yeah. And then... He's like, well, does that remind you of you at all? And I was like, uh, I don't drink anymore, so that's yeah. not, <laughs> pardon me. That's not, he's like, yeah, but when you were drinking, were you like that? And I was like, I was exactly like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Got it. 
And uh, they're like, well, how lucky are you that you don't drink anymore and you like have this solution? Yeah. How unfortunate it is for your friend who's yeah. going through this right now. And I was like, oh, that is really shitty. And then I was like, oh, now that I think about it, I actually owe that guy money. <laughs> so I tracked him down to go pay him back. Uh-huh. And he said, yeah, listen, um, it's actually a buddy of mine who's in town just for today. And he's going to be here. If you could hang out with him, I got to take off. And I was like, yeah, for sure, man. Like, it's no big deal. Right. So I hang out with this dude, and he was a comic, so we do this open mic together. We both got up, we perform. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, this sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to this, like, spiritual thing that I do, if you want to come with me. Okay. And I was, like, looking for some sort of spiritual guidance at the time, so I was like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. So I ended up going with him, uh, and he, his friend was, like, one of the chapter leaders for Nishran Buddhism in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So he introduced me to him, and I was like, well, this is great. Yeah. So I just started doing it, and I started helping, and I got really involved with the group. And, uh, yeah, it was really helpful. Nice. So what, in what ways does it affect the rest of your life? So it's, uh, it's kind of filling some of those holes that drinking left, but, like, what else would you say it does for you? It's more of the... Because it's always, like, seeking outside stuff and trying to be somewhere else. Yeah instead of not being in the present moment where I am mm-hmm. and kind of giving me like a sense of gratitude for all the things that I do have now. Uh-huh. Like it actually helped me. I was going through a period where I was working at a bookstore and I got a uh, opportunity to work on this film and would have been a good deal more money yeah. than I was making at the bookstore, but I would have had to quit the bookstore and be working on this movie for... I think, like, a month. Right. And so, like, as I was chanting it, kind of, I was able to, like, slow down. And I was like, what do you really want? Yeah. And I was like, well, I want to be happy. Right. And I thought about it, and I thought, what makes you happy? And I was like, well, I like working at the bookstore. Right. I like doing stand-up. And I like hanging out with the people that I hang out with in town. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to do any of these things if I work on this movie. So the choice just became really clear, and I just couldn't see it until I slowed down and, like, weighed the options. Because part of it was, like, Mm people-pleasing. A friend of mine got me the job, and I was like, well, you got to make your friend happy. And I was like, what are you going to make your friend happy the expense of making yourself miserable and losing a job that you like working and not being able to do stand-up? Yeah. And I was like, hey, here's the deal. Like, I really can't do this. That's not in a place right now where the money's good, but ultimately the money is not going to make me happy. Yeah. And so they weren't even upset. They were like, I totally understand. That's really cool. That's nice. Yeah, it's great. So just kind of help let me just take a pause and reflect on things before I act Mm -hmm. so I could respond instead of being so reactionary just like oh i gotta do it fuck do the thing damn it why did you do that and then like spend three months being like god why did you do that and just taking a pause and being like this is going to affect you for the next you know yeah you're going to work on this for a month but you're going to lose this job that you love right so you know i ended up working there for a while after that nice yeah so you do stand-up comedy you didn't get started in la right no, I got started in Portland, Maine, maybe, shit, I think April's going to be 13 years. Jesus, how old are you? 32. That's, you started very young. I did, yeah. What led you to get started so young? Uh, I would have started younger. I just didn't know that you could. <laughs> I just always wanted to do stand-up. Yeah. So uh, one of the few things I had in common with my dad, he was a big sports guy. I just like watching comedy. So, we'd always watch comedy together. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I'd always stand in front of the TV telling back all the jokes I could remember right. during the commercials. You really like that. Mm-hmm. So, I think in a way, I was always kind of just trying to make my dad laugh yeah. as I was doing it. Which is difficult for... Making your dad laugh? Or? Well, I mean, that was kind of easy because okay. I was a kid and I'd just be swearing. <laughs> and a kid swearing is always funny. It is. And I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> But it was, um, yeah, it took a long time for me to realize, like, you, 
that why you're doing this still? <laughs> like, are you still just trying to get your dad's approval? <laughs> I think for a long time, like, that's what it was. But the first show I ever did at the Portland Comedy Connection was in a contest. And I got second place in a contest. And I remember really clearly him saying, I'm really proud of you. Oh, nice. And I was like, wow. Like, that's pretty awesome. Because it was tough for both of us because I'd get really bad grades because I was always joking around in class. Yeah. And he couldn't really understand why I just didn't do the work. Right. And I couldn't really explain to him. I was like, because it's, I'm a comedian. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm practicing for the job yeah. that I want to do when that's I grow what up. For. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't tell him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he'd be like, that's stupid. You need to work a <laughs> real. But. Yeah, I always remember him telling me that when I was a kid. I uh, just saw a guy on TV doing comedy, and I was like, where does that guy work? Yeah. He's like, oh, that's what he does. I was like, he just tells jokes? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he can't make a lot of money doing that. And he was like, oh, he makes a good deal of money doing that. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's all I want to do. Yeah. He shouldn't have told me that was a job. Yeah. It's a terrible thing to say to a kid. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean... It's good to let kids know that, like, oh, you have all these job options, but, like, also the percentage chances of doing that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Slim to none. <laughs> <laughs> but once I found out that was a job, I was like, oh, it's the only job I'm ever going to want mm-hmm. to do. So I'll just practice, keep doing it. Nice. So what made you move from Portland? Did you go directly Portland to Los Angeles, or were there steps in between? No, just, uh, well, I went on tour with a buddy of mine across the country, um, which was a good learning experience for me, because I found out that, because I'd been writing stand-up yeah, yeah. material that I knew would work outside of Maine. <clears throat> like, I always knew, yeah. you're going to leave, so you need to write now. These yeah. things are going to work in other states. Things are relatable to other places. Do you think a lot of Maine comics don't do that? I mean, you know, funny's funny. Some stuff's pretty local. Some guys would do really colloquial material. Uh-huh. You know, but I just knew that it's like, oh, if you write that joke about, oh, yeah, you know the guy at the 7-Eleven. People are like, I do know that guy. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work in Boston, let right. alone, <laughs> you know, New York or something. So, I mean, I know a couple comics that really wrote for specific places in Maine, people in Maine. Mm. But, yeah, I always just knew I wanted to leave. Um, I think he came... I was just talking to my cousin about this today. It was the tail end of a really bad breakup. Uh, I was engaged to somebody. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, we were living together. And I knew that I needed to be out here. I knew that she didn't really want to go. Yeah. She was studying to be a lawyer, and her family lived there. Right. I knew she wanted to be away from her family. I knew that I couldn't stay. Right. And so we ended up breaking up because so I was like, you got to do what you got to do here. And it's just not going to work. I got yeah. to go. I got to do this. And uh, I was, my plan was to stay in Maine all summer and uh, pack lobsters and make good money. Mm. And then uh, about a week after we broke up, she was like, yeah, things are good. I'm dating some guy. And I was like, that's wow. great. Good for you. And I was like, hey, listen, I got to go. <laughs> and I was like, hey, mom, I'm leaving tomorrow. And she was you don't have any money. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I know. We got to go. Like, I just, I had to go. So I left the next day. And I had $40 in cash. Like, did you drive or or fly? My mom bought me a one-way plane ticket to Los Angeles. I literally had no bank account. I had $40. So so what did you do when you got here? Uh, I freaked out a little bit. Yeah. Well, I was living on my friend's couch in the valley. I was like, I gotta look for jobs, I gotta do this stuff, and I knew it was gonna be cool for like a week, and then I was like, it's gonna get serious. And uh, so I, my friend in the valley, a buddy of mine in Hollywood, invited me in Hollywood, he's like, come to Hollywood, we should hang out. And we, this guy I went on tour with, and he owed me some money from the tour, I was pretty upset about that. But he was like, listen, you know, I got a good job now, I owe you some money, yeah. would you come live with me for free? And I'll kick you some money, and then at the end of the summer, you can get a job. Yeah. He's like, but you're you're all set for the summer. That's great. So I was like, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's, so. that worked out well. Yeah, I moved into Hollywood the next day. Uh, 
that night, got up at the Comedy Store on the Friends and Family show, yeah. and then up in the belly room. So I did two shows at the Comedy Store within, like, five minutes yeah. of, like, being in Hollywood. Yeah. I was like, this is as good as it gets. Like, <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to live. Because the valley was too far away with, right. like, no car or anything. Yeah. It was, like, Jesus, I think it was three hours at the time to get Jesus. to and from the valley yeah, yeah. on the bus. And it's like, you do a late-night show, you're getting home at, like, 2 o'clock in the yeah, morning. You know, It's insane. Um, but yeah, I lived in Hollywood pretty much ever since. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, for the people who don't live in L.A., how close is Hollywood, like, the part where you live, to West Hollywood where you work? Um, it's pretty close. I'd say uh, West Hollywood where we are now to where I live, it's maybe a 15-minute drive. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you do drive now? No, it's 25 minutes on the bus. I'm assuming right. most people drive. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of, like, <laughs> yeah. car distance... But it also depends on what time, like around five o'clock, traffic's insane. Yeah. So, which is just something you just need to adjust to. Uh, getting around in a car yeah. in Los Angeles is the travel time is always ridiculous. Yeah. You always have to leave really early. There's always so much traffic, but I don't really worry about that because I ride the bus. And you can just like hang out. Yeah, I mean not to like run material. Right. I've been working on a joke about riding the bus because, like, that's how I get around. I can use public transportation. Yeah. But that's also how I'm able to maintain a lot of sanity yeah. and serenity. Like, yeah. I... Because you're not, like, screaming at people to move and, like... Yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> like, I just am on a bus and I'm, like, on my phone and then I am somewhere. And yeah. I don't pay attention to it. Nice. You're in a giant steel box... I've actually been in a bus before they got hit by a car. Like a car took a corner and drove into the back of the bus and no one felt it and no one knew anything had even happened until the bus driver was like, oh, we've been struck by a car. We need to exit the bus. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got off the bus and the bus was fine, but the car was totaled. Of course. The car like drove in and they were like, oh my God, my net. And I was like, wow, that's great. So it's a safe mode of transportation yeah. in Los Angeles where, I mean, because when you're on the bus, if you look out the window, you can see people driving their cars. Yeah. And I want to say the percentage is nine out of ten people are on their phone. Yeah. And, like, not, like, making a phone call, like, looking at yeah. their phone behind the wheel of a car. Yeah. Which has always kind of upset me. Like, I, you know... And I want to say, like, oh, I'm better than that, but, like, I don't drive. I don't have a car. (laughs) I can't say that I would be. But a huge catalyst for me to, like, that I take it really seriously. And if I am in a car with somebody else, I always ask to borrow their phone. And then I put it in the door on my side. Because I was like, you're driving a fucking car. I don't care if you don't care, (laughs) but but I'm I'm in a car. Because of really dear friend of mine who I met uh, as soon as I moved here I think it was seven or eight years ago was struck by a car crossing the street by somebody who was texting Yeah. and he's going to be in the hospital for a while he's had like back surgery knee surgery both of his legs were broken oh. he's the nicest guy so funny Yeah. and it's just the fucking saddest thing yeah. ever you know he's a really good friend of mine and so, like, it kind of upsets me when I see comics, like, hey, we all text and drive. It's like, well, fucking don't. Maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe think about it. Just don't do it. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of options. Like, if it were, like, ten years ago where a lot of cars didn't come yeah. with a thing where you can, like, text back or phones didn't come with a thing where you can just, like, press a button that says, like, I'm, I'll get back to you in a second. Something like that. Like, Yeah, there's hands-free options. Yeah. You can pull your car over yeah. to send a thing. But... The reality of the situation is uh, most people aren't fucking doctors, okay? You're not <laughs> rushing into surgery. Yeah. You're like, my PR firm needs me. No, they do not. <laughs> You're not that important. <laughs> oh, my God. John Travolta tweeted something. We need to get to the office now. No, yeah. you do not. Yeah. No, you do not. Right. <laughs> you can take your fucking time. Yeah. You're not that important. But, yeah, it's difficult, you know? And I'm on my phone a lot. You get to be because you're not driving. Yeah, I don't drive anywhere. I take public transportation, or if I'm running late, I just take an Uber. Yeah. Um, I just took, uh, so I lived in Los Angeles like three years ago, 
and there wasn't a train line. Yeah. Like, I mean, there were train lines, but none near me on the west side. Yeah. And I just took the one in Santa Monica. Have you been able to, like, use the train system effectively? Uh, yeah, I use the subway a lot to get downtown. Yeah. There's one pretty close to my house that'll take me downtown pretty quickly and efficiently. Yeah. Um, and that, you actually can't use your phone because there's no... There's no signal? Signal oh, in the thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is, like, pointless. I was like, oh, the one time. You can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're in a box downstairs. <laughs> You're not... You know what? Go ahead and use your... They don't work! Like, yeah. I was like, fuck. Oh. Um, I haven't taken the one to Santa Monica, oddly enough. I don't go out there a lot. Mm. Just because most of the stuff I do is usually at the comedy store or right. shows in Hollywood, usually. Yeah. I go check out. Is there a pretty healthy scene in downtown? Or is it mostly just, like, if you are planning on doing shows, you should plan on going to Hollywood? I think Hollywood and West Hollywood. I mean, the comedy store and the improv and the Laugh Factory mm. are within walking distance of each other. Oh, okay. Like, literally, maybe 20 minutes you can get from one to the other to the other. Which are the three, you know, I think major clubs. But there's a lot of alternative shows that are really big and there's a lot of popularity. Uh, The Performance Anxiety at the Pleasure Chest Mm -hmm. is a great show. Also in Santa Monica. Or no, on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. Not too far from here. Uh, There's a great show... Uh, every Sunday night downtown called Uncabaret, which is a great comedy storytelling show. Okay. It's run by uh, Beth Lapidus. I, uh, that name sounds really familiar. Yeah, she's been running that show for like 30 years. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, I interned there for a year, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, how, how does comedy interning work? Because like I know I did an intern thing when I was out here, but it was for an ad agency. But I know some people who do internships with comedy places. How did that work for you? I mean, I think it worked great for where I was and what I was doing. Because um, I got to perform on Cabaret, which is a fucking huge honor. Like, such an amazing show. And I really, it was for the love of the show. Like, I fell in love with it and the people and the regulars and everybody that I would see. And learned a lot about show running uh, from Beth, like how to produce a show, like how to do that. This is what stuff looks like. This is what we do. This is how we promote, blah, blah, blah. Working with the venue was really cool. Uh, getting to know the people. It really became like a family after a while. So I didn't feel like I was like going to work. Like, oh, shit. Like, I'm putting all this time and I'm not getting anything back. Yeah. It was just to show up and like give without expectation. I was like, I just get to show up and do a fun thing. And this is a fun way to spend every Sunday night. Nice. And then I got booked at the comedy store on a Sunday night there's a show called Candy that somebody dropped out and I got pegged to do a spot on the show and I was like oh my god this is great it's right at the comedy store I know a lot of the people and so I started hanging around there and then kept getting guest spots and then they were like we want you to be a regular on the show so it went from uh, where I was interning at Uncab which is cool and I loved it it was like you get to perform every Sunday and I was like as a comedian and a performer like I need to take this you know but, yeah, I think for anybody uh, who's, like, kind of new to comedy and wants to meet a lot of people, like, interning for a show that you really respect, like, that was the fucking show. Nice. And uh, Beth also taught a class that I took. Uh, it was kind of like a writing, storytelling, sort of a workshop thing that I took. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the comedian's way I don't know if you look up Beth Lapidus yeah. but I was able to take that class also because I was volunteering for the show Got it. which was amazing and she helped me so much with my stand up kind of like curating and finding my own voice because I do some stuff because for a long time I felt like I was a stand up comic yeah. and I would literally wear a suit and then go be really? comedian guy and I'm, like, doing stand-up, like, at, I mean, it was me, but it was kind of, like, an exaggerated version yeah. of, like, who I actually was. It's like, hey, joke time. It's a joke. <laughs> I write jokes. And it was very, like, too Whose much. voice script. was that? I have no fucking idea. I didn't actually <laughs> okay. sound. But it's it, like, it sounds like an angry Will Forte from 30 Rock. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. It's just like, what, what is that? Yeah. It's like, you, like, I became, like, this caricature of a comedian. Yeah. I was drinking a lot. I was like drunk, wearing a suit, like shirts on button wrong. She's like, Jesus, get it together, man. 
But when I, like, after I stopped drinking, it was kind of like, you still do this thing. Yeah. But, you know, is this really you, and are these jokes still genuine to who you are? Right. And she really helped me find my own voice. Nice. To be like, oh, yeah, like, she's like, do, do, like, just tell the story. Right. You know, like, as you, as a person. Right. And not have to, like, hit, like, every joke. Yeah. And so it was more freeform. I could feel like I could be... Not clumsier, but, like, more authentic in yeah. what I was saying. Which opened it up to be like, oh, yeah, I can just tell a story. Like, this is what happened. Right. And it didn't need to, like, immediately get, like, the laugh. Right. So you can kind of build more on stuff. And opened up a lot of different material for me. Okay. Yeah, should just be, you know, more yourself. Which is tough when I don't really know what that looked like for so long. Yeah. It's like, you are this guy. But I was talking to a friend one time, and um, he's like, how was yesterday? And I was like, oh, man, I was at the bank, and I did And he goes, yeah, drop the act. <laughs> We're friends. You can, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Yes, factually, what happened yesterday? Right. And I was like, oh, I went to the bank, and then I said, good, okay, <laughs> yeah. there you go. That's, <laughs> nice. you don't need to perform what yeah. you did yesterday. You can actually be genuine. Right. Which, uh, for me, is such a defense mechanism in how I've built most of my relationships around. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying to drop that wall and yeah. develop real intimacy. With some, this is what's up and this is how I feel. This is what's going on. Because with the guys and, like, behind the curtain of, like, all these jokes, yeah. I always thought, like, oh, I'm making people laugh, doing a thing. It's like, you're actually building a wall right. between you and other people. That's great that you recognize, like, a lot of people are doing that. And they, I didn't. Okay, yeah. He told me. Right. <laughs> but then it's tough to see that and then not know that. Yeah. Like, am I doing that now? Right. And I can hear the fucking voice in my head that's, like, always writing jokes. Yeah. Like, you should say this joke thing, which is a fucking snarky answer to yeah. an honest question. Right. And I can hear it in my head now before I say it. So it's like, this is somebody you're being genuine with. That's not, yeah, you don't need to do that right now. That seems tough as a comedian. I just know so many people who... It is, yeah, yeah, especially when you've been doing it for so long, you know. Yeah. You're not realizing that it was even happening for so long. And I was like, no, it's just who I am. And it's like, no, that's actually keeping you from who you really are. Like, you actually are a human person. Which is tough to accept that you can be a comedian and a human being <laughs> in the same body. Because, right. <laughs> like, I'll watch some comedy and I'm like, I just, that doesn't resonate with me. Or, like, any jokes that are, like, too, like, misogynistic or yeah. sexist or racist or anything like that, I'm like, ah, it doesn't not gonna humor you yeah. and tell you that oh, hey good joke I'm like no that was racist what you said did you know that oh that's how it well it's a joke yeah. well it's still, racist, still is racist yeah. didn't take that away from it it's a thing yeah. I'm like I don't like that and as a result I don't like you like I just yeah. I know that's not who you are and people that are close to me when they ask me their opinion because I've stopped or I haven't I've tried to stop <laughs> offering uh, my unsolicited okay. opinion to people. Yeah. I will ask people if they're open to suggestion. Right. Like, are you open to suggestion? And then ask them, well, this is how I feel about that. Yeah. Because I do have friends that, hey, what do you think about this joke? I'm like, I think that that's racist. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that because I don't like that. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Or, no, you... I don't know if you know how that... I wouldn't say that. Right. Because it's... It's not... It's like, well, it gets a laugh. And I'm like, that doesn't matter to me. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) So I don't have to. Yeah. But... Yeah, just being like a regular human person like and a comedian and like trying to inhabit both the things at the same time. It's a pain in the ass, really. (laughs) It seems exhausting because... Some people are consistently rewarded for being on all the time and being that jokey person. Uh, So when they have been, and I'm thinking of 
like two of my friends very specifically. If you guys are listening, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> you just got called out. Yeah. <laughs> you got called out in an emotional bullying. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, wow, they've been like really celebrated for being like the funny, like air, in air quotes, funny guy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for them, I imagine that moment wherein they have to like stop and be real people must be very difficult. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that moment never comes yeah. for people. Like, I don't know that many old people. Are there old people out there who are like that? I mean, there's got to be. Yeah. So, you know, I just remember performing in uh, Portland when I was really young, being able to do weekend shows with all the Boston headliners who are still around Boston. Yes. They'd always pull me aside and they'd tell me the same thing. They'd be like drinking a scotch or something. And they'd be like, hey, kid, you want some advice? And they'd be like, yeah, of course. And they'd go. You should quit. <laughs> you, should, you should get out now. So it never gets any better. It never gets any easier. Like, they would all say that to me. Yeah. That's all of their advice. But uh, I was like, yeah, I want, that. I want this to be the hard way. Mm-hmm. Like, how I idealized it as a kid yeah. was... It was the strangest thing that I look back at it. I always wanted to be the road comic that was just like... Really? Half in the bag, like at a hotel bar somewhere in like Saskatchewan, like kids like that all was over. Your yeah, just it was, it was so romantic, like just smoking a cigarette in a bar and being like, ah, I used to be somebody. Like just I don't know. <laughs> it's, it was never the being famous that I yeah. wanted. It was always the having once been famous, <laughs> just old, curmudgeon-y guy. Hey, kids. Let me tell you a secret. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like I idealized that. Yeah. There's no pressure. Like you did a thing. You're getting by kind of like yeah. your apartment's a shithole. <laughs> I don't know why I always wanted that. Yeah. Like a bow tie undone, <laughs> smoky bar. You want to be Frank Sinatra in like the 70s? But not even have ever. Like reaching really, that level yeah. of fame, like some fame, but yeah. not that. Like people don't know you now. Right. Well, they might have known you then. They may have heard of you in passing. Yeah, like you were like hot for a minute, yeah. and then uh, you just keep doing the road. Like that's just where you live, just living on like hotel soap, just going through oh, the motion. Yeah, that seems t- like that's what people say about like road work in a negative way, where people are like, "Oh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that." Like, yeah, that's what I always wanted. <laughs> You still want, like... No, God, okay. no. No, no, it's changed. Well, I got, I, it's like self-respect now. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you could live a good life. Yeah, like, yeah. you could be happy yes, and that's possible. do help people and do yeah, things yeah. that are good. Also, I mean, I don't think I could really live that dream. Now. Like, I don't drink anymore like that. Yeah. You know, it's tough to be sober, like, living that life. Right? You know, it's about drinking a Sprite. <laughs> like, uh... I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> like, I, uh, I think uh, it was in Mark Maron's book. He <laughs> told this story one time where he was sober and he was on doing the road and he'd like gone to a strip club and he was reading like a porno magazine and eating a donut and watching TV at the same time. And he was like, I was the Vishnu of self-avoidance. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking classic. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because there's been nights where I just have a show and I don't feel good about it and I'm like I don't want to feel this way but I don't like drink or do drugs so it is like eating Oreos and like just feeling bad (laughs) like texting an ex-girlfriend like whatever I can do to get out of my own head that's not completely destroying my life like I was so it looks different and then the next day I usually will have like an emotional hangover which goes away a lot sooner, and you don't usually throw up from it. Okay. You're just like, I feel kind of bad about last night, mm-hmm. but you acted out really like a fucking secretary. <laughs> like, from the, like, like, I watched my soaps and oh, <laughs> took yeah. a hot bath. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. as bad as it gets for me okay. now, which is a lot of damage control, which is great. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't feel too bad about I'm like, ah, we did the best that we could. Right. You know, but God, Jesus yeah, and I'd have a bad show and just try to drink it off yeah. for like a week. It'd just be, it would just never end. That's horrible. Yeah, it was bad, man. It was really bad. I don't miss it. Yeah. You know? And, uh, 
And if I go to a bar now, which I can still, I can go to yeah. places where there is alcohol. Like, like, yeah, you're a comedian. Of course, yeah. yeah. Big business being there. You know, I'll see 99% of the people drinking normally. Right. And seemingly having a good time. Having a couple beers, hanging out, mm-hmm. having a joke around with their friends. But then I see the one guy that's, like, way too drunk. Yeah. And I was like, you were that guy. That's how oh. you drank, for sure. I was like, oh, that's... I was, like, looking in a mirror. And it's so uncomfortable. Really? So I just, like, put myself in those shoes, like... Because I always assumed everybody was so wasted anywhere that there was alcohol. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is they're not. <laughs> yeah. It's just the one guy being like, hey, guy, like, a little too loud. <laughs> like, yeah. lighting the wrong end of his cigarette. Like, he's been cut off. So they're just giving him water, but he doesn't know. <laughs> like, throwing a lime in a water. Like, here's another one for you, man, oh, on the house. Huh? And he's like, oh, getting away with it. And you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. But it's just so fucking sad to think, like, oh, so many years of that. How, how old were you when you started? Um, I remember the first time I drank, I was maybe 13. Really? Yeah, I was at my friend's house. His parents were out of town, and we went back and forth just handing each other a bottle of gin. And I don't that was know. your first time? Yeah. We were like, we're getting drunk is how they do it. This is alcohol. It's supposed to get you drunk. Oh, my God. You know, we didn't know, yeah, like, yeah. that there was different types and that they tasted different. But the litmus... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. But the litmus test was uh, if you walk a straight line. Yeah. So we would, like, take a huge haul off of it and then walk from one end of the kitchen to the other. And we're like, no, we can still do it. And we do another one and, like, walk to the other end of the... And then we kept doing that. And then it was just, we, like, could not fucking walk. Yeah. <laughs> And I just remember going into the, to his living room. We like fucking crawled over there, and we were standing up. I don't know if you remember in the Blair Witch Project when the camera just goes sideways, and yeah. you can still see it. Like that's exactly what I just saw. The living room just goes <laughs> sideways. And I was just laying there, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I fucking passed out. And I woke up with the gnarliest headache, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was amazing. We need to do that again what? soon." Yeah, it was just because I, I think I had a lot of fear uh-huh. and like anxiety, like the pressure of like being cool in high school or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And the alcohol turned the voices off. Yeah. The, you know, oh, you're not cool and that girl doesn't like you. Right. And my ex girlfriend's dating that guy because he's fucking cooler than you and you're not that cool. Uh-huh. And I just drank and I was like, hey, we're good. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. I was very square. I uh, I didn't drink until I was t- like I had a glass of wine. So when you were like gin was my first drink, I was like I had a glass of wine, didn't like it. <laughs> Some people don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, this is. Would I say this is my last vice? Uh, maybe. Okay. I have a decent amount of caffeine, but yeah, I still smoke. Okay. Which. I was talking to somebody one time, and uh, he was like, yes, yeah, so you don't drink or do drugs anymore. So, you know, he's like, but you still smoke cigarettes. And I was like, I do. Yeah. And he's like, I feel like smoking cigarettes is worse for you than drinking. And I was like, you've never seen me drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's a personal thing. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, because I've never smoked a cigarette and woke up in jail. Like, that's <laughs> still pretty regulatory. Right. Never smoked a cigarette and then wound up in Glendale smoking crack. Like, that never happened from a cigarette. I was like, but I have a couple drinks. I'm like, sounds like a great idea. These are things that we should be doing. Crack cocaine, yes. I mean, I did crack once. I was in Glendale and some dude was like, hey, you want to smoke some crack? We were in a house with our friends, with people that we knew. Not just like on the street. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, that sounds great. It just seemed like a good idea because I was drinking. And I was actually so drunk and on, I think we did mushrooms later that night. I didn't even remember what it was like. Yeah, I didn't really have a regulator or like a governor, like a drug governor in my head that would stop at some point. It would just be like, you should get as much of this into your body as possible. Did you see any negative health effects? Hmm... No. Mostly because it never stopped. Oh, 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 oh. 
So I'm sure that there was. Right. I just never noticed it. Random bruises, stuff like that, cuts all the time. But nothing like, uh, like you still have all of your liver. Like they didn't have to cut a section out and like. Yeah, no, okay. nothing like that. I have to go to the hospital for it or anything. I mean, I know that's for sure where I was heading. Wow. For sure. But no, not really. Man, it was great. It was mostly mental. Yeah. You know, just like the thinking process severely like stunted and disrupted yeah. from just like constantly doing that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like when like if your maturity level was stunted at a certain point, you right. never really progressed past that. Uh-huh. You never knew how to learn to deal with situations or deal with feelings right. or in a lot of ways like become an adult. Just yeah. things that you don't know how to do or that you should do. Right. Like, this is what grown-ups do. Were you aware? <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I was kind of skating by. <laughs> I was fucking yeah. 18, so. Jeez. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. So, I know a lot of people who stop drinking, uh, it's also hard for them to be around, like, their old friends. When you go back to Portland, do you find that people are expecting you to be a certain way? No. I was fortunate enough to... Uh, alienate myself okay. from most of my, through my drinking where okay. I was such a nightmare that nobody wanted to associate with me uh, very fortunate in that respect because I know a lot of people that are younger when they get sober all their friends still drink hey come hang out with us yeah. Yeah, the phone didn't ring for me okay. like no one was calling me to hang out anymore right. it was more of a oh shit, how did he find us? Like, how did he know we were here? Who said something? I think there's a mole. (laughs) Like, uh, but there was a couple uh, of my close friends who, I've been very, like, open about my sobriety with all my friends back home, so everybody knows. So they kind of know what to expect. Got it. And they're all supportive of it because they knew what I was like Uh when I was drinking. Right. So they're like, no, no, you're much better off this way. So even people, like, even when I go out with my friends that are drinking, somebody was like, oh, hey, you're in town. Can I buy you a shot? My friends will, like, slap a drink out of their hand for me. Like, yeah. keep it away. I'm like, I'm not a vampire. Like, I can say no, but I do appreciate right. your support. Yeah. So they're cool. Uh, my family is really cool with it, my yes. friends. Uh, I still have a really close friend who I do comedy with. We used to drink a lot. He still drinks, okay. uh, which is fine. Uh, we hang out occasionally when he comes in town. He actually moved back home. But, yeah, he still drinks a fair amount. Which is fine. We can hang out. And, you know, again, he knew what it was like for me. And he's somebody who was one morning, I, he was like, you were really bad last night. Like, he was drinking a beer, like, in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, you really need to, like, slow down. And I was like, you're drinking beer right now. And he was like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have a problem, (laughs) which means that as much as I'm drinking right now, I'm still telling you, you're worse than me. Right. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, maybe (laughs) something to look at, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, it was nobody could tell me anything. I was really, just couldn't accept any of it. Uh And it really came down to, the major catalyst was my mom told Uh me that she was worried about me. Uh That's when I was like, I just didn't want my mom to worry about me anymore. Right. You know, it's 28. Yeah. You know, she's worrying about me her whole life. The stupid shit I would do. Right. She really was just over it. And told me, point blank, like, I'm worried about you. Yeah. Like, this isn't getting better for you. Right. This isn't a phase. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like who you are now. And, uh, and I didn't want her to continue to live that way. Yeah. You know? That's, that's good. Yeah, so I just did everything in my power, stopped doing it, mm. you know, found a lot of people that were sober, it helped me out a lot, so it's really cool. That's good? Yeah, thank God. Do you, so I, it's something I, again, I know very little about, so how were you able to find a community of people to support you, and now do you find yourself kind of filling that role for other people? Yeah, um, well, I had a friend who mentioned that they were sober, they said that they knew a lot of sober people and they would attend 12-step meetings. So I uh, was very, I was like, I'm not, it's not that bad. Right. I'm like, I can't stop drinking to save my life. I was like, I don't need to go to a thing. uh, 
and I was like, well, I'll go with you to check it out. Mm. And I went and really kind of took to the message that they yeah. had there. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe this could be for me. And really found a great fellowship in that world. And have since been able to help other people with a similar problem. So being able to, like, be in recovery and do comedy and also to blend the two worlds where I've been able to perform on recovery comedy shows, which is fucking amazing. Because you get to carry the message, you know, of this while using humor so people are paying attention. Because sometimes it can get sort of dry and boring. (laughs) Or just too overtly gnarly. Yeah. Where people are like, motherfucker, wow, dude, shit. Like, really? So to be able to use humor to, like, talk about recovery has been a huge part of, like, staying sober for me. That's great. Because a big part of it was, yeah, you know, I'm not drinking or doing this stuff anymore, but I'm mean, having fun. Right. Is this enjoyable? You know? Yeah. And to be able to find people that I knew that I could joke around with in sobriety was so huge for me. Yeah. I was like, if you don't get to laugh about this shit, like, what's the fucking point? Right. You know what I mean? It's not church, you know? <laughs> so I was like, uh, yeah, like, I definitely needed that. And I definitely have a huge network of people that I can still fuck with. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just attack somebody, like, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, somebody I know yeah. is doing the same thing that I'm doing, for them to get it. And then send me a picture of a middle finger. Like, that's important right. to me yeah. to have that kind yeah. of connection. Yeah. I mean, still be jokey with somebody. Right. And also, you know, have it be like a fun, enjoyable thing. Yeah. And I can go, you know, go to the comedy store every Sunday. And a showroom was a two drink minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be around it. It yeah. doesn't bother me. I mean, still feel really connected. A lot of the thing, and a lot of the times that like I go to a place like that, I can see other people that I know that are sober, oh, which cool. is really helpful to yeah. me. And I think back, and I'm like, oh, they were always there. Yeah. I just didn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's... People... I feel like I used to drink a lot more. I drink a lot less now. Uh, And... Yeah, it's weird. I don't not fit in because I'm drinking less. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. All right, so we're coming up on the hour, so I'm going to ask you kind of like a series of questions I tend to ask everybody. Great. Okay, so moving from Portland to Los Angeles, what are some things you miss about Portland? Mm, uh, The wharf, definitely. I don't know what that is. Uh, There was, well, the Portland Comedy Connection was on a wharf that I used to pack lobsters on. Oh, wow. It was a customized wharf. Can you describe the process of packing lobsters? Because it seems so, like, romantic New England to me as a non-New Englander. Yeah, yeah. The lobstermen go out and they catch the lobsters on the boats. And you put them in crates and they bring them in. Mm. So we take the crates and we sort through all the lobsters and put them in another crate. Sort them by, like, quality, size, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so being on the wharf in the morning Mm -hmm. and just, like, the smell of, like, all, like, the... It sounds really great. All the bait (laughs) trucks and the lobster... Like, I go back, you just, you can't, it's, just, it's only, it smells like that on the wharf. Yeah. It's just so fucking good. Huh. That's of, the of thing like I raw miss fish the most. Yeah. Nice. So when I go back, it's always, like, one of the first places I visit. Very cool. Yeah. So what, uh, if any, like, outside of the meditation in this space, what are some potentially significant emotional moments you've had here? Los Angeles. You know, it's funny, uh... I I mean, there's definitely been a couple nights where I've, like, drank too much and then abjectly just started openly bawling <laughs> places. Yeah. Just because, I like, that's how my emotions would manifest. Right. They would all build up to a breaking point, and I would lose cry. my fucking shit. Okay. Uh, I remember one night, I was part of a theater company for a couple of years, and we kind of lost the theater... And it was devastating for me because we run shows there and done plays. And it was really a home for me for many years. And uh, I went there because I forgot something. Mm. I had a key and the key still worked. I hadn't changed it over yet. And I went in and it was completely empty. And like I was already half in the bag. And I was like, oh, seeing this doesn't affect me at all. I'm fine. And I went and did a comedy show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, everything's good. And then I just sat behind a dumpster and like, cried my fucking eyes out like all night people were like oh my god 
like not even aware uh, consolable like okay. someone who can be like oh it's gonna yeah. they were like Jesus do we call the police like that kind right. of inst- like that was really a breaking point for okay. me just mourning the loss like this theater that was a big one also losing a really good friend of ours uh, Angelo Bowers he's a comic and uh, was always the funniest one he was killed in a car accident after he beat cancer. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That took a pretty heavy toll. That actually was a big catalyst towards the end of my drinking because that was kind of my get-out-of-jail-free card yeah. for a whole year. I was like, yeah, he's not coming back. And then we just drank over that. And every time we'd come out of it, I remember, and didn't really process the loss in a healthy way at all for a long time where it affected me in sobriety Jeez. where it was the anniversary of his death and I didn't think that it affected me yeah. but I started thinking about like drinking and that it would be a good idea right. and then I was like what the fuck what is that yeah. you know and then I talked to a friend who was like well yeah you know it's still emotional for you right. and that's how you used to get rid of emotions and I was like oh that's what that is yeah. so I'm really glad that I was able to talk it out with somebody instead of just being like this is well, the yeah. solution um so yeah, it's still a hard thing to think that we lost him, but I mean all the great material that like he did, you know, still like lives on people like with stories and joking around. Yeah. It really brought everyone together, you know. Like losing him was just a huge loss to the whole Los Angeles yeah. community of comedian. Everybody was really like everyone was cool with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just that was there was a time where it was just like, Hey man, how's it going? You could fucking hate somebody. But after that, it was like, hey, what's up? Good to see you. Yeah, yeah how you doing? You holding up? Cool. If you need anything, call me. Wow. It really, like, brought everybody together. It was a great equalizer, you know, That's, which I mean, is a tragedy. Yeah. But to try to find the positive, right. you know, silver lining of the situation, like, that was definitely a big one for a lot of people. Wow. I think bond a lot of people together. It's nice. Like, yeah. So you're talking about the scene in Los Angeles and how people are... Uh, brought together by this tragedy how would you describe the scene uh outside of being bigger and better like the difference between this scene and portland slash boston um well i'm not super familiar with the boston comedy scene because it's mostly in portland mm-hmm. um the god portland comedy community was phenomenal such a tight-knit it was so close with each other because it's so small yeah. you know there was 10 of us <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. So it registered to me until somebody was like, wow, you're like one of the 10 best comics in the state. And then I came out here and I was like, wait, there was 10 of us. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking of course I am. We all are. (laughs) 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 Shit. (laughs) But that was amazing. I fucking loved it. We were like like writing each other, like helping us to write jokes. Like, oh yeah, here, take this tag. I thought of this thing for you last night. You got to do this. You got to... And you couldn't steal anybody's jokes because we're all at the fucking club. <laughs> Everybody's watching everybody else's set. Right. You know? And it was that kind of wanting everyone to win. Mm. Like, we want everyone to have a good show and be right. so supportive. Where it was kind of tough for me to come here and to go to an open mic. And I'm like, wow, there's 50 comedians on an open mic. That's amazing. Yeah. But then going in the room where they're performing and there's like three comics tweeting and 47 comedians outside like talking shit. And then one person on stage being like, I don't know why this is happening to me. This is a nightmare. Yeah. And so it was a huge different thing. But it was like, you know, water seeks its own level. So I was able to find, you know, I came here like people. I was like, oh shit, like these are the funny guys. Like, what's up? Yeah. Cool. I think you guys are really funny. Where are you performing? Where are you getting up? Yeah. And kind of became friends with a lot of really great people. And we'd hang out and start shows, put each other on each other's shows, right, right. and give each other opportunities and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So you can kind of find your own, you know, group if you seek it out, you know. Yeah. Which is tough. It was tough for me to, like, kind of come out of my own shell. It's mm-hmm. like the not feeling worth it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm from Maine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, because I came here and I was like, I've been doing comedy for a while. Like, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> like, right. we don't. This is an open mic. Welcome. You'll do three. I was like, fuck, shit, what? Yeah. <laughs> but so it was a huge, like, I felt like I had to start over. Mm. 
and then I also felt like I just start over like after I got sober because I was like oh my god I have to do this without drinking yeah. at all and but now it's like I feel like I have good footing and a solid network of people that like I trust and can work with but yeah the Los Angeles scene and the Portland scene I mean Los Angeles is just so massive right. and there's just so many different things so many elements you know people you can get booked on shows because you've got a lot of followers on twitter you know what i mean like and i'm like yeah but you've never done a stand-up joke you've never told a joke on a stage which i don't (laughs) it is what it is (laughs) like i can't fight it but um because in mean it's just you it's the quality of your material right like oh yeah fucking your show let's do a show right and do road gigs like around town and stuff like that you know mm. <laughs> we don't say road gigs but it's just driving to the <laughs> next city over oh, right we used to say we were like oh yeah we have a road gig we were doing a show in like Culver City which yeah. is like <laughs> 10 minutes away yeah. we're like no 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 we got on the 10 like we had to get into the highway to gig. go to just road gigs <laughs> it's like we'll be back in an hour yeah. <laughs> like when the sh- we've all performed and the show's over yeah but oh my god it was so much fun yeah Final question, what is something that people would be surprised to find out about you? Or like a secret that you haven't told anybody? Anybody? Anybody. Um, or that like listeners uh, who are like, oh, I know, I know, I know Dustin. Uh, they'd be like, what? <laughs> um, and yeah, feel free to take your time. It doesn't yeah. have to be the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm thinking of one thing. Okay. But I wrote a joke about that. So, oh yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, once I tried to find a friend of mine, like after I'd been pretty involved in doing recovery stuff for a while, they're like, cool, how are you having fun? Are you enjoying this process? And I was like, yeah, you know, I do comedy, and like, no, comedy's a career. Yeah. And I was like, no, I do. (laughs) And I didn't have an answer. Right. And they're like, what did you want to do? Like, when you were a kid. Yeah. Like, what did... Like, is there a thing that you've always wanted to do? And I'd always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you should... Uh, you know you should do? You should fucking write something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that. Uh, so I wrote a couple short stories that I emailed to my mom. That's it. She's seen them. She yeah. thought they were good. Do you want to do anything with them? Yeah, eventually. Okay. Like, I definitely... I think writing's a really cool thing. I worked at a bookstore for a long time, yeah. so I'd read all the time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had a decent enough vocabulary and read enough stuff where I could kind of find my own voice or yeah. write fictional stories that I thought sounded pretty cool. And they're not necessarily comedies. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't have to be, like, a funny short. Like, oh, it's just a thing a really vivid like daydream I've had in my head that I could put on paper yeah and it's like oh that's what a fictional short story is it's a thing that's not real you just think of it you just write right so instead of just living in my own head with it I could just put it on a piece of paper nice so yeah I think it was like four or five short stories that I mean I'm sure I'll write more Mm because generally a book is more than like five pages (laughs) But, yeah, that's definitely something that I want to pursue. I get more time to write. I'm really focusing on stand-up right now. Nice. Doing a lot of shows. But, yeah, I really like writing. All right. So. Guys, so you're going to want to hound Dustin to see his short stories. Uh, send him messages to find these. I'll send people. Send like, I, yeah, I don't care. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think right. they're pretty cool. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Um... Yeah, I just got a website. All right. Um, and they're still, like, I think they're finishing up my comedy special, like, today, which is crazy. Yeah. So it's actually going to be, and try to get it to some people in front of some networks and stuff before I can, like, officially release it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that might be a cool option. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the, I got a website. It's DustinDavidComedy.com, which I've been trying to force all my stuff through there right like i just found out you could do audio so i cut a new joke that i did last night mm-hmm. and then just put it on the thing so Wait, who, what, it's just one joke what um what 
provider do you use to make your website, or do you have somebody else making your yeah, website? Yeah, it's uh, Squarespace. I use Squarespace too. It's the shit. Yeah, I it's love gorgeous. It. Oh my yeah. god. But uh, pay us. Give me money, Squarespace. Okay, thanks. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and I learned a lot of what I know from that mm-hmm. through uh, this woman named Melanie Vesey who runs a thing called Promotional Rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, who helps with promotions and stuff like that. And she helped me with my website. So if it looks good at all, that's like all stuff she told me to do. Nice. Because you went in there and she was like, hey, none of your links work and you're an idiot. And I was like, huh, what? But she's very sweet. She she said that because we know each other. But yeah, and if you need any help with promotion stuff, she's the absolute shit. You should nice. definitely go to her for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Very cool, guys. So Melanie Vassy and Vassy. Yeah. V-E-S-S-E-Y? Yeah. All right. So check her out and check out DustinDavidComedy.com. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And again, this is presented by Women Comedy Festival. Thanks. Bye. Bye.